0: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Is anyone having a good day today? Is anyone having a good day today? You realize a good day is subject to choice, right? If you you only have good days subject to circumstances, then the circumstances will dictate your day. So often we let circumstances take us out of the good day that's actually there, even though bad circumstances are happening. You see, good is always looking to be found. Bad is always around. We're born into a sinful world, which is bad. It's sin is bad, amen? Kingdom of God, through Jesus Christ, has invaded this place. By the power of the Holy Spirit, kingdom of God is here, kingdom of darkness is here. There's good and there's bad, middle, according to scripture, as if you were bad. So there's good and there's bad. So if we're not having a good day, then we're having a bad day. And if we're having a bad day, why? Are we letting our circumstances dictate our future? And we need to so work at that because I tell you what, once in a while, a bad thing happens in life, yeah, but it shouldn't be the culture of what we're built to be. If we let the bad dictate our circumstances, then our culture becomes negative, poverty mindsets, it becomes bad in the culture. And God doesn't have a culture of bad, God has a culture of good. Everything God does is good. Even his discipline is good because he's a good, good God. He's a good, good father. Matter of fact, he's the best father of all. He's a good God, sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this earth to die and rise again so you and I could have a good father in relationship, not just in deed. Old covenant, your relationship to God was indeed by the deeds that you did. New covenant, relationship with God is by your own choice, which allows you to do good deeds. Good deeds in Old Covenant brought you into relationship. A New Covenant, relationship brings you good deeds. Okay. Anyways, it wasn't in my notes, but it sounded important. A couple of things I was uh, thinking and writing down when, uh, when we were singing. One of the songs we sang, we, uh, we give you the highest praise. We give you the highest praise. We were singing that. We give you the highest praise. What's the highest praise? What praise is high? What's higher than your understanding of praise? God's ability to receive praise is higher than any praise we know how to give. But yet, his ability to receive high praise is drawing us to higher praises in higher levels. And I'm saying this because we choose how we praise. And we choose what we praise. And the more we come into the alignment with the word of God, Jesus Christ in us, Holy Spirit empowering us, our praise becomes higher. But yet his highest is drawing the praise from us. So we give it as he draws it. He draws it, but we can't can't release it to him, even though he's desiring it. We can't release it unless we choose to praise him. And so when we we look at that concept or think of that concept about praise and high praise, we're singing, we give you the highest praise. What we're actually saying is nothing else is higher in our mind or in our eyes. So if we're singing, I just want us to make sure we're aware of the words we're singing. It's so easy to get in the habit of singing a song without being aware of what we're saying, but... Let me tell you, Jesus came with a two-edged sword. It was his word was a two-edged sword. It wasn't to create unity. It was to actually divide and separate. It was going to divide good from evil. That's what it does. It doesn't divide Christians amongst Christians unless one group is not so good and one group is really great. But he didn't actually come necessarily to divide the religious leaders from from the old way. What he came was to divide good and evil. He came to bring truth and light. And in that, it was word that was spoken. How did he defeat the devil in the 40 days of fasting? He defeated the devil by word, by what was spoken. That's why when we do offerings, we do declarations. I looked at that declaration, and our declarations weren't very loud today. And I'm like, we should repeat it. Because I'm giving and I'm really believing what that declaration said. Let's just bring, uh, if we could bring that declaration that we did back up. I I like it just because the whole purpose in doing declarations is that we actually believe it enough to be given into it. We're given and believe in what we're saying. So let's look at this. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs. Who wants a, maybe you have a job, but who would like a better job? Whoa, there's a lot of hands. You should be the loudest people making these declarations, like screaming it from the rooftops, okay? Jobs and better jobs. Who wants a raise or a bonus? Yeah, okay, so raises and bonuses. Benefits, sales, and commissions. Favorable settlements. I'm game for a favorable settlement. You know what? Maybe it's a settlement I don't even know about, but I'm game for the settlement estates and inheritances who wants an estate or an inheritance I mean, I could go with a new inher- another inheritance, okay? Uh, both my parents have passed, and my dad divvied up as a missionary. Uh, it wasn't a lot of money, but we got an inheritance. It actually was 100% of my inheritance from my parents after 50 years of ministry that they served God in, 100% of my inheritance went into this ministry. So you're actually part of spending my inheritance. So... Uh, interest and income, I'm game. I, I have no problem when I invest money and they say, you know what? We, we locked you in at three and a quarter, but for some reason we're giving you six and a half. I'm okay with that. Yes. It's not a problem. Rebates and returns. You know what? There has been more times that I go up and I buy something and they say, oh, oh, Mr. Borthwick, did you know that was on sale? Because they look at my credit card. Right. No, I didn't, but thank you. It's just little things like that. Why not? Why not? I expect it because I have a good, good God. Checks in the mail, I'm game with that. At least it's not bills. You know, I I have people that just anonymously through that e-transfer thing or whatever it is, they just all of a sudden, pow, there's money in my account. And it's like, wow, God, I don't even need a check anymore in the mail. Like you can just do it electronically. It's absolutely amazing. (laughs) Gifts and surprises. I'm game for gifts and surprises. What's the next one? Finding money? Debt's paid off. Who wants a debt paid off here? Like seriously. Wouldn't you just believe supernaturally that Monday morning your debts are gone? Or at least one of them. Pick the biggest one. Pick the biggest. If it's your mortgage, go after the mortgage. Don't go after the the, the $1,000 on your car. Go after the mortgage. Expenses decrease, blessings, and increase. Is there another one? Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs. Every one of us has our financial needs met right now. If you believe they're not, then you're living in the oppression of debt load. If if we don't believe... Thank, if we don't thank the Lord for meeting all of my financial needs and our finances aren't being met, there's one of a couple things that's wrong. One, you're not working or you don't have a job or you're not doing good at your job or two, you've way overbought or way overpurchased and your debt load is way too high and somehow or another, you've spent the money and you'll say, well, hold it. You know, I'm a, I'm a widow. I'm... No, no, that's a whole different story. I'm just talking about someone who's actually able to go do a job. I really promote and push. I say, you know what? The more you push into your job and do the best that you can in your job, the more favor and rewards God's going to give you on the job or a better job. It's, it's when you go in with an attitude, even though you don't like the job, but you go in with a positive attitude and you go in and say, you know what? God has provided me this job. I thank you, Lord, for meeting my financial needs. I'm going to do 110%, 120%. If you don't, what you'll do is you'll let the depression of your job, you'll let the issues and the problems get to you to such a level. You don't want to get up in the morning. You don't want to go there. But that's not the culture of the kingdom. The culture of the kingdom is, thank you, God, that I am able to go to work, that I am able to do what you have called me to do. And if it's at a dead-end job, it's at a dead-end job. But you know what, Lord? I'm going to do the best at that dead-end job. And if if it dies, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to do something. But somehow or another, you're going to bless me through doing the best I can at the dead-end job. Because honestly, God doesn't want you at a dead-end job. He wants you successful. Look to the person on your left and say, God wants you even more successful. Look to the person to the right and say, could you give me a thousand bucks? No, I'm just kidding. he wants want you more successful too. As we were singing, and I thank thank the worship team. You guys did amazing. Donna, it was just awesome. As we were singing, I saw a vision as we praise. This goes back to, we give you the highest praise. And I saw this vision and it was a vision of angels singing, they were harmonizing, but there were all these groups in the heavens and in each group, there were different styles of worship. And these different styles of worship were all done to bring high praise to God, but it takes different styles to bring the level of praise that he's actually hungering for many groups trained in different styles of worship. There was a dance group, there was a flag group, there were singing groups, there were their choirs, there were all these different groups, and they were all bringing, some were just literally seeker-sensitive, some were just on their hands and knees uh, weeping in prayer, and that was their their heart of worship and their passion, uh, their praise. And I feel like what the Lord is saying that he's rising up groups of diversity to praise higher in his name. And I thought, you know what, that's amazing. Here we are, a ministry called Windward Ministries, because the wind of the Holy Spirit on the Word of God, everything's gotta be founded in the Word. Please go after the Bible, okay? Please read your Bible. Um, It it, it is the Word of God. Um, But at the same time, we have such a diversity. We have over 100 churches and ministries now that that we apostolically cover. But we have such a diversity. um, We have churches, we have rescue centers, rehabilitation centers. Uh, we've got a rock, Christian rock band, rock group, amen, up, up in Calgary, Alberta, which are actually going to be one of, one of the worship teams down for the Voice of Thunder, All Above Me. So they, they, uh, uh, Geezer, the, the leader of All Above Me, said, you know what, man, I just feel like we need to come. We need to be home with our family. And so they're coming down. They're going to be one of the bands. We have a group from Yelm, Washington, a worship band coming up. Uh, it's just like, you know... And you know what? Maybe you don't like Christian rock. That's okay. They're going to do worship. I might get them to do one or two fast songs, though, because I actually really enjoy it. I enjoy the diversity. I I do not. I grew up with hymnals, and I love hymnals. I love the diversity of it. Well, there's not a lot of diversity in the hymnals, but I, I, love, I love... Anyways, but I love going to churches if they have hymnals. Actually, many of the churches I go to don't have hymnals anymore, but, but you hear what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with hymnals. It's where our heart attitude is. But the worst thing is, is in a a diverse family that we have here, is if we get offended by someone else's form of worship. Because as soon as you get offended by how someone else worships, then what you create is an offense. And when an offense happens, it will drive you nuts and they'll probably pick it up and it will create division and disunity in the family. Because many times in a family, even if you get a family gathering of all your uncles and your aunties and everybody, grandmas and grandmas, they all come together, chances are there's someone in there that could agitate you. And if you let it agitate you, your whole dinner is not going to be that great. And especially when they start speaking, you know, yapping, you know, does anyone have someone like that in the family that just can drive you crazy, like very quickly? And what I began to realize was, hold up, that's actually how they are. And so how they are is driving me crazy, which means I'm now letting somebody else control me. yeah. I gotta get to my message, but I got too many of these notes during worship. Different countries praise different. Don't let difference offend. Ike. Africa praises different. It doesn't offend me, it excites me. You hear him yell once in a while. I could get them. How, how are they going to really, when there's real joy in Africa, the country that you've come from, what, what do they do? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. And I've heard them go, I've heard them do that. If I do that, I, I, I'm sure I would lose my voice and my pants would fall off. But um, I, I hear that when I'm in these countries and they're, you know, yelling and screaming and we're like, Whoa. Oh, you know, and I could go, oh, well, that's offensive to me. It's not. It's awesome. It's a whole group of the angelic, I'm sure, praise in the same way in heaven. We sing to worship you. I live. I live to worship you. So in other words, what we're saying out of our mouth is that everything we do is connected to worshiping. My question to us is everything that we do is connected to worship, which I truly believe it is, because worship is a lifestyle. It's not the speed of a song. It's actually my first book, partway, halfway through right now, um, about worship, the lifestyle. My question is: is, okay, if everything we do has some form of worship or praise attached to it, who are we worshiping? Kevin mentioned sports huddle. I literally was going to get up, I, 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 and I was getting urging in my spirit, but I didn't want to s- jump in, and I was going to say, what do you do in a sports team? And, and if you're, da- let's say you're down a few, a few points, and you huddle together. What do you do? Do you come in and say, yeah, well, I guess we're down, hmm, I guess that's just the way it is. Yeah, well, we're probably just going to lose it, aren't we? We're just losers. No, you know what we do? And a captain especially comes in. They're supposed to lead. And, and some people say it hype. I say it encouragement. Hey, we're only down two. Like that's a simple way. We can get this back. We can do for it. Let's go. And everyone's going, yeah, we can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like football players. You know? Like, we can go after this. We can do this. Because there's unity. They know that if we're together as a team, we can win this thing. We can go after it. No matter if one person just missed the shot and they thought they lost the game, we don't let them stay down. We bring them back up into the huddle and we say, we go for it. You know what? I want to do that every Sunday morning here. I want to say, let's get together and let's push each other. Let's go after it. And you're like, oh, no, you just want to hype up the church. No, no, I actually want to encourage you to be hyper. Hyper in Jesus Christ, hyper in the Holy Spirit. There's a hyperness that we need to have. You can do it sitting quietly, but be hyper internally. I get tired of people saying, you know, hyper Christianity. Uh, Christianity is hyper. (laughs) So, like, like, these disciples, when they walked on this earth, they didn't, they didn't kind of go, mm, oh, here's another sick one. I wonder if they're going to get healed today. I believe they truly walked with a power and an authority that some would have called conceited in today. But they weren't conceited. They just knew their identity. It's a big difference. Okay, shocks. Here we go. Kevin mentioned using the elliptical trainer backwards, and he started burning out very quick because he was using muscles not used to it, and the thought came to my mind, I wonder how many lifestyles have trained their muscles backwards to the kingdom, so their muscle memory is used to it, and it hurts to go the right way. Yeah, so easy to get into our routine, and our muscles are trained to the routine, but God has never called us to be a routine. He's called us to continually be advancing. Kevin was going to say God is into the job, but it's family, but family is a job. It's work. I don't know if any of you have had a family, and any of you have had to work at it. It's work, same with the church. People get offended one time and out they go. Uh, Yeah, that that wouldn't work well in your marriage and it wouldn't work well with your children. Or your grandchildren. Yeah. Whoa, I just had a bad bad dinner so I'm never going to talk to them again. You know what? Chances are the dinner had a confusing or a controversial subject going on. Even when a preacher preaches something that's confusing or controversial to your understanding, you can't just write off the preacher instantaneously. At the same time, there's many preachers out there that you should write off. (laughs) You see, preacher isn't just God's kingdom wording. A preacher is someone who actually delivers something, who delivers a message. And Satanism has preachers. Hinduism has preachers. Every religion out there has preachers. So, But there's many preachers that might claim to be Christian, but they're actually off. And we need to have the wisdom of the Lord. Thus, focus in on the Word of God. Get the Word alignment so there's a plumb line in your life. And then you will know immediately what's bones and what's meat. Eat the meat, spit out the bones. Bones are bad for human teeth. They're okay for dogs, but not for humans. Amen. Okay, okay, good, let's go. I love John the Baptist. I was studying him a little bit more, and uh, you know, he's just one of those weird ones. Anyone studied John the Baptist? He's just different. He's a different bird. Um, but he was given the greatest responsibility ever to a prophet. Out of all the prophets, Elijah, Elisha, out of all the previous prophets, John the Baptist was given the greatest responsibility as a prophet. His assignment was not just to walk before the face of God, but he was to prepare the way for the face of God to be revealed to all of us to see. So here John's walking. He's walking before the face of God, which means he already has favor and blessing from the Father. Something he encountered, even though he had old covenant law, something he encountered in that desert, the experiences, somehow there was a relationship that he had with Father before Jesus Christ could could die and rise again to give it to him. The hunger, but you know, in the Old Testament, what you found was only certain individuals had the face of God. Only certain individuals could actually stand in and receive glory from the Father directly. And so those ones were written about, but it wasn't open for everybody for some reason. But in the new covenant, Jesus Christ, he did something different. He actually brought it back into what it was supposed to be in the Garden of Eden, and he brought it back into everybody has the option to literally see and be a part of the, of the presence of the Father directly through Jesus Christ. Amen. So here John the Baptist, he's preparing the way for the face of God. He walked in front of the face of God, but he was preparing the way for something that was coming. And this moment was what all the other true prophets would have desired to see. They all knew there was a Messiah coming. They had all prophesied the Messiah was coming. Now John the Baptist is prophesying it as well too, but he's literally not just walking in front of the face of God, he is walking to open up the door for the face of God to walk on this earth. From that time, everything changed. A common scene in the old world was an army marching, uh, would march through the streets of victory, holding their king on their shoulders. And that's what you would see in, in the old world, the way it was done. And the king would be held on the shoulders, or the king was riding the other king's horse that he just conquered, whatever it was, there would be the army marching through the streets. Now you have John the Baptist, and here's an army of one, marching through the streets with the king... Ready to come. Imagine this army of one, you know, making, first of all, dressed in camel's hair, so that's a little bit off. Like, has anyone ever touched a camel? I have. Has anyone smelt the camel? I have. How many of you would like to wear that camel hair? Not me. It's stinky, it's kind of wiry, it's not like Angora. It's not like soft, what's some kind of a fur? Rabbit, rabbit. yeah, rabbit. is not like, it, it, it's not a nice hair, the camel hair. And so here he is, the different bird. The people knew he was different, but they knew he had something. And so they did follow him, they did listen to his teachings. But he was followed by the king of all kings. John the Baptist ushered in the king's face of divine favor. Because when you live in the king's favor, your life becomes favored. When you live in your father's favor, the favor of your father becomes alive on you. When you live in the favor of family, the family's favor comes onto you. One puts to flight 1,000, two put to flight 10,000. It means two of us in unity coming together have a greater level of blessing and favor option to us if we come together in the unity of the Spirit, in the unity of the Word, if we come together in unity, not unanimity. Unanimity means believing exactly the same always. And being the same. Unity is we're agreeing on unity out of the word and out of the Holy Spirit upon us. If we do that, we now, two of us, have ten times the power, ten times the authority than we did by ourselves. Which is why whenever somebody says, you know, we don't need the gather, we don't need the church, we don't... What it is, is you just had a bad experience in the church. But church is two words, oikos and ekklesia. Oikos is the gathering of family and ekklesia is the governmental structure of the kingdom. So, whenever we say we don't need church, what you're saying is, I don't need family structure, and I don't need the government structure of the kingdom. So, don't use the word "I don't need church." Say, you know what? I got hurt in a, in a building. <laughs> I got hurt by a pastor or a leader. Absolutely, I have no doubt. I think we've all been in that. I, sometimes I hurt myself. <laughs> I offend myself. What I should say. I've been hurt. I have all the reason to not be in this place. Believe me. But then I have to listen to the word of God. Well, no, 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 no. Two of us getting together in a coffee shop, we can just do church there. Actually, what are you doing, oikos or ekklesia? Because the word church is oikos or ekklesia. So what are you doing? Are you gathering together as family? Or are you being the, bringing in the governmental structure of the kingdom of heaven? Because that's what, what you're saying. I, I can do church in a coffee shop. Wonderful. Are you gathering together with family? Then yes, you can, do coffee, you can do it in the coffee shop. Are you? What about the governmental structure of the kingdom? Well, I am the governmental structure of the kingdom. No, you're stuck on yourself. You don't have all the answers, neither do I. And I'm not here to tell you that I have all the answers. I'm learning and I'm growing. And the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. I'm not saying you can't get together in a coffee shop. I'd call that fellowship. Unless you have a real small family. I get together with my daughter Jessica, and I take her to Starbucks, because if I went to Tim Hortons, I'd have to repent and ask for salvation. (laughs) The donuts are good. If I take my daughter... I'm actually not having church because I have a bigger family. I'm not gathering the family together. That's oikos. What I'm doing is I'm actually having coffee with my daughter. I'm on a date. I'm on a time with her. If I take Chris and Samantha, same thing. If I take the whole of this family together, I still can't call it oikos. Because God's not calling just a Borthwick family together. He's actually calling the castle family together as well, too, for my son-in-law. And so true, true oikos would be the castles and the Borthwicks all gathering together. But in the family of God, it's every single believer. And so a family, a true oikos family has got to be bigger than one, two, three, or four. It's got to be bigger. And I'm not saying beginnings don't start as a family. This whole family started by two of us coming together. But the reason we're gathering in the coffee shop, if you use the word church, is to actually build a bigger family. That's why we get married together, to build a bigger family. And that's why God has said, we're the bride and Jesus Christ is the groom. And I'm not saying you can't meet in a coffee shop, don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is we have to look at the understanding of what the word church means. Because so often we get offended at the church, but you're actually not offended at the church, you're just offended by a person, because that person offended you. And part of the offense could be that you're wrong, and they're wrong. Which means you could be right, and they could be right too. Wow, that's not anywhere where I was going, but... Amen. John's assignment was to prepare the way. If this is the clearest revelation of God. But also, he was preparing the way for the actual manifestation of the face of God. You see, the face of God on this earth is Jesus Christ. He became the manifestation of the face of God. We all know in Old Covenant, you couldn't see his face. If you saw his face or his glory, you're going to die. In the New Covenant, Jesus Christ became the face of God. Which why, when you and I want to become like the face of God, we must have Jesus Christ in us, empowered by the Holy Spirit. John chapter 1, verse 29. John chapter 1, starting in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John's a good prophet at this point. He's got it. Verse 30, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending, this is God speaking to John about his son coming, about God's son coming. Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. In other words, God is saying to John the Baptist, what he's saying is, I'm going to send you my son. You aren't going to know him by his works. You're going to know him by the Holy Spirit coming upon him. You're not going to know him because he's a good-looking guy or he's a bad-looking guy. You're not going to know him differently from other people around you other than you're going to see the Holy Spirit like a dove come upon him. And I thought, you know what, how applicable is that word alone for you and I? That you and I might not be known by what we do or shouldn't be known by what we do, but be known by the Holy Spirit on us. That people see something different about you. And it's not that your belly's getting bigger or shrinking or whatever. It's not that you're getting grayer. Uh, you know, it's not that you got new shoes on. It's not that you got, you got know, whatever. What they need to know you. It's not that you're a good server or a good worker. You're a Mary or this and that. It's not. What they need to know you by is that the Holy Spirit is living upon you and living upon you in such a way that you become the face of God on this earth. Of course many people flock to the miraculous, but the voice of God spoke to John and said you will know him by the Holy Spirit on him, not by the gift. You know how many people have an amazing gift, but have really bad relationship with God? Gifts are gifts. Gifts. Jeremiah 1.5, while you're being formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I sanctified you. I prepared you. I, I, I literally sanctified you. I've given, I believe God has given everyone gifts. That's why the world has gifts. That's why uh, there's prophets in the secular realm, uh, Ouija board, mind readers, what are those people? Uh, psychics. And they're gifted. They're using their gift. They're just using it on the wrong side. Everyone's born with a gift. Every one of you has some sort of gifting in you, and multiple gifts probably, especially some sort of the fivefold ministry. I am not a preacher. I, I was part of a Pentecostal church for, for many years after I came out of the Baptist. Um, and I'm not a preacher that says there's only 20% of the people are going to have one of the fivefold ministry gifts. I'm a firm believer that the fivefold ministry gifts are open to everybody. You might not have the platform of Billy Graham, but you can still be an evangelist. You might not have the platform of a Bill Johnson or a Chris Valton, but you can still preach the gospel. You can still see signs and wonders happen. And so I know in business, those five-fold ministry gifts are very real. With teachers, how many know that in a business, a large corporation, you need to have Teachers teaching new things, new systems. How many of you know you need to have pastors? We call that middle management. I was in the corporate world for many years. I used biblical principles through it all. Middle management, that's like pastors. They're the ones that are like, hey, wow, you're having a bad day. Yeah, my dad just died. Oh, take some time off. Evangelistic, advertisers, people trying to sell the product, bringing, bringing people in. You see, Kevin talked about calling in the people, calling in your aunts, your uncles, your family, friends, calling them in. Well, the only way they're going to get in is by you being an evangelist to them. And that could be as simple as, hey, I, I'm, coming to, I'm going to church on Sunday. Let me swing by and pick you up. And, 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 and you bomb on it one time and you'll never do it again. But that's not what an evangelist does. That's kind of like saying if you have a business and say, your sales team is no good, you're never going to do sales again. The prophetic, absolutely. People are constantly thinking up new things, having dreams, visions in the nighttime. Oh, wow. Maybe someone even dreamt up the iPhone. If you have a Samsung or something else, it's probably a dream from the enemy, but at least in, I was going to say hell, but that was a bit too strong. <laughs> For the longest time, I never went to these iPhone products and these Apple products because it has a bite out of the apple. I said, That's a forbidden fruit. (laughs) But when I finally converted, I don't think I could ever go back, I'll be honest with you. They actually all work and sync together, and I'm happy about that. (sighs) I do not know him, but he, the Father, God, who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, not just coming on him. So you see someone manifest in the Spirit, doesn't mean the Spirit remains on him. We can all have a glory club, come, come, and, and have the manifestation of the Holy Spirit on us, but if you don't take that manifestation and become your lifestyle, then you're going to just have to always come to the glory club. And that's not what we're trying to raise up here. We're not trying to raise up, oh, you're going to get it all here. No, I pray that you receive the word of God in teaching and preaching. You receive the word of God. There's power when we gather together. So when you go back out those doors, you don't leave it here, but you take it with you. And you start practicing it. You start learning about it. You start practicing like you would in a normal sports game. Verse 34, and I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. I love Papa Bill Johnson. He, uh, uh, he takes verse 31, I did not recognize or did not know him, you know, until the Spirit of God came upon him, but Jesus walked with the Holy Spirit. And I like how, how Papa Bill, and I'm probably butchering a little bit, but he describes walk with grace on this earth in such a way that the dove won't get startled and fly away. You know, if I had a a dove on my shoulder right now, I probably wouldn't go... I probably would walk more gently. It doesn't mean you can't be hyper. It just means don't let your hyperness, don't let your, your issues, don't let the things that you're involved in scare this one away, because the Holy Spirit really has a hard time in hell, in sin, in issues, because he's not going to live there or dwell there. I say in hell, because sin is hell. Hell is sin. Now you're saying, "Uh uh-oh, now you just opened up a can of worms on theology. You're saying there is no more hell? No, I didn't say that. I just said, hell on earth right now is living in sin. Hell on earth is living in depression, living in a fit of anger, living in sadness and sorrow for your lifestyle instead of sorrow being for a moment. That's hell on earth. Heaven on earth is you have the victory. God's given you the solutions. He's given you the power and authority to overcome absolutely everything that comes your way, You're not living and fighting for victory. You actually are living from victory. Hell on earth? Oh, don't put your hand up But how many of you have ever felt in your lifetime that you're living in hell on earth. I'm not talking the fiery hell. I'm talking hell on earth. I'm talking there's just so much going on in your life that, that you're depressed, you're frustrated. Has anyone been stressed out? Well, has someone been so addicted that they're so angry they can't give up the addiction? And every time they try, they always fall back into the addictive state. That's hell on earth. That's not God. God is a victory. Victory doesn't always fall backwards, victory always advances forwards. And I want to encourage us that one, we have to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Two, we have to invite the Holy Spirit into us, upon us. And then we have to make choices and decisions on what we're going to do throughout life. Just because we say, I do in marriage, doesn't mean everything is peaches and cream. I do in marriage means I'm actually committing to a covenant. And the covenant is based around love. And if and I promise to stay in love with you, my wife. 30 years of marriage, we have promised to stay in love. Now, I know she would have never had a reason not to love me. We all know that's not right, because I'm actually I'm actually probably, well, I know I'm not the easiest person to live with. I guarantee it. But we made a decision over 30 years ago. No matter what happens on Earth, we're going to choose heaven. No matter what prime minister we have, no matter what our laws say is legal or not legal, we're going to choose heaven. It could be raging infernos around us, but we're choosing heaven. We're choosing Jesus Christ, and He's going to walk with us through those fiery furnaces. Because it's a choice. Have I had ups and downs? Have problems come my way? Oh my goodness, too many to remember and count. Has it always been easy? No. That wasn't my commitment to Jesus Christ. That wasn't my commitment to the Father God that I'm only going to love you and serve you when it's easy. That wasn't my commitment. My commitment was a covenant. And a covenant can only end a true covenant in blood. That's why the old covenant ended by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the only way I can end this covenant is either I die or he dies. Well, how many of you know he's not dying? So the reality is is I am bound in covenant. And if you want to call it chains, that you are bound in chains around your leg, amen. It's going to stop you from running towards hell. It's going to keep you holding where the kingdom of God is with you however you are you must be bound in something i am bound in my covenant to marriage i no longer have a free will in my life on who i'm going to marry i gave that free will option to my wife 30 years ago i now am bound in covenant i have no way of not being bound to my children to my son-in-law to my grandbaby I have no way of not being bound. I have chosen because I bound in covenant here. God's covenant will always increase blessing and favor upon it. No matter what comes our way, and I don't care if, if, your, if your child is adopted. That's, that's a son. That's a daughter. I am adopted into the sonship of Jesus Christ, of the Father God, I should say. I am adopted in. My son-in-law is adopted in. That makes him a son. But so often we get bound by the wrong bindings. We get bound by the problems. Let's say in our own country, how many are worked up into a frenzy over some issues in our own country? Don't put your hands up. You know what? I pray for our prime minister. God knows he's in there. If we actually follow scripture, he appointed him. I'm like, really God? But you might love the prime minister. That's fine. That's why we can have a diversity of political views. But I pray for that prime minister. I pray for the president of America. You might love him, you might dislike him. You might agree with some, you might disagree with some. That's your choice, that's your your option to have. But the reality is, is I can't slander and backbite the individual because I'm called to pray for them. And it's really hard if I, if I come up to, to Kevin and, and I'm like, yeah, I just bless you and I hate you and I bless you and I want to, you're just ridiculous and I bless you. And, and, and you know, your political stance is, is absolutely ludicrous and I bless you and, and, and you're killing everyone's fake news. I bless you. you know, how do you do that? How do you bless and hate at the same time? encourage us. I, I didn't get very far here, so we'll finish that next time. But the Holy Spirit has been positioned to manifest the face of God through you, through me, through Jesus Christ first, Jesus Christ in us. The Holy Spirit's face is to manifest the presence of God and the face of God in our lives. Maybe you're going through a tough time. My heart aches for you. But we as a family, we're here to walk you through and help you through. That's what we do. But we're also going to encourage that if you have a lifestyle of tough times, we're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's about victory. Not walking and living in the miry clay, but getting out of the miry clay. That's our heart and passion. Our heart and passion is not to condemn you. Our heart and passion is if if you're screwing up, we have enough relationship to say, man, do you think you're screwing up? Yeah, I know I'm screwing up. You know that same person that knows they're screwing up, if the pastor tells them they're screwing up, they get offended. So I usually, people come into my office or come into our pastor's offices and and I try to beat around the bush just a little bit, but I don't have a lot of time in my busy schedule to beat around the bush for long. But I wanna hear it come out of their own hearts, their own mouth, you know what, I screwed up. Wow, you know what? Number one, you're better than the screw up, which means number two, we're here to bring you higher as a family. We're here to walk you through it. We're going to pull you out of that miry clay. We're going to pull you out of that junk. We're going to pull you out of that garbage. Because that wasn't your destiny. And that's not your destiny. Let's all stand. I wanted to quickly pray for a few things. Pastor Pablo down in Colombia with MPJ, it's a ministry under our covering, along with uh, New Beginnings Ministry, Ed and Carol Barron, we love them. Um, Pastor Pablo and MPJ Ministries has built another ministry base in Peru. So uh, they just came back from Peru. I've met those people when I was down in January in Colombia and uh, in Tumbes, Peru. And uh, they just started up their Bible school training again. They do a four-year program for young people. Um, and, t- and tomorrow, which is today, they're ministering in Fresno, not Fresno, California, but Fresno, Colombia. And after that, Baracarabera, they're going to. They have ministries all throughout the na- nation of, of Colombia. And I was born in Colombia, Bogota. So um, it- it's important we pray for these guys. Um, they're getting ready to do their camps. They do an amazing camp. The government actually, uh, secular government, sends unsafe people to their camps. And they usually get saved, so thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and also for prayer for the spiritual and economical supporting of MPJ, plus all of our ministries around the world. So let's just lift up MPJ right now in Columbia, South America. Father, we just bless... Uh, Pastor Pablo and Sophie, we love them, their family that's fully involved in serving in the ministry, in the ministry that has gone on for 17, 18 years with MPJ, for the new ministry opening up that has just opened in Peru as well, the new training center equipping. uh, Father, for raising up young missionaries, young people as missionaries and sending them into all the Hispanic nations. We pray blessing upon them and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Um, Something else too. I just got back from a couple weeks up in Alberta and Saskatchewan uh, a lot of people say it's vacation I Jess and I drove up, spent a couple days going through the Rockies, which was beautiful. But then uh, we were at uh, a big tent meeting in Deadwood, Alberta, and I was ministering there. We were there Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday morning we drove down to our High Prairie church. We ministered there. Um, and then Thursday I flew off to, uh, to Saskatchewan to our First Nations churches in Saskatchewan. And uh, But at the same time... Uh, I just wanted to pray for those churches, uh, High Prairie, the Peace River, Windward, Windward High Prairie, Windward, Peace River, um, and also our First Nations Church in Saskatchewan. And while I was there um, in Saskatchewan, a pastor came up to me. This is his, his First Nations, so this is his name. He's Pastor Miles Old Woman at War, and that's his name. And uh, so Pastor Miles Old Woman at War is uh, pastoring in the Six Siksika. First Nations. It's called New Living Waters Ministry. Uh, They're the newest ministry as of last weekend that's come on board under Windward Ministries. So let's just pray for Pastor Miles and our Saskatchewan Alberta Ministries. Father, we just bless them. We bless Pastor Miles, Lord, as he's uh, pastoring and ministering in Siksika, First Nations, just out of Gleeson, Alberta. We pray blessing upon them, Father. We pray blessing upon the First Peoples of Canada, Lord God, and we pray for the revival breaking out in the First Peoples. Uh, we thank you, Father, for Alberta. We thank you for all the provinces, Peace River, High Prairie, all the provinces across this nation. We thank you, Lord God, for for the Windward Ministries in in United States, in Russia, Pakistan, uh, uh, South and Central America, Mexico. Lord, we bless Pastor Adonias and Carmen with over 70 churches now in Mexico. Lord God, all part of Windward, we thank you, Father. We, We ask you, Lord God, that we realize here in this home center of Windward that we realize that when we're part of this family, we're part of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. Locally, this ministry coming up here in Aldergrove with connected with RCMP and other groups, we, we pray blessing upon it, Lord God, that we a Christian church is working with the governments and other ministries that we might not even have the similar core values, but Lord, we have the value of compassion and love to the hurting and wounded children around our own place, our own city. And we pray, Father, that, that there is I just feel like the Lord is saying, because I very rarely have I ever concluded a service this way. But I just now I have an understanding the Lord is saying to me, speaking very clearly, that this ministry is about empowering people in their God-given destiny. It doesn't mean I can do it for you personally. What it means is we're here to support you do it. And that some of you have carried vision and passion. And I believe that this is the season that we want to hear that voice even more. But don't come to us if you haven't served anywhere. Because if you come to us and say, well, I have the vision to lead an army. Well, have you ever served an army? I have the vision to preach around the world. Well, have you preached to your own family? Have you preached to your own lifestyle? Have you preached somewhere? Well, I'm called to preach right here on your pulpit. Yeah, well, it's not going to start your first part here. What we want to do is get to know you and we want to know that you're committed into the family and you carry vision but you carry the vision of windward as well which is actually to empower your vision (laughs) i say this for a reason Hmm, i hear the voice of the lord get the people ready for the inflow growth get the people ready says the lord and you say, oh, he's prophesying as a senior leader over his own ministry, whatever. I prophesied over this ministry since the day we started it. I prophesied over my children as soon as I knew my wife was pregnant, we've been prophesying over them and just because they're born doesn't mean we stopped. I prophesy over you people. I might not know you all by personal names, I might not have met you all, but right through that camera, I prophesy over you that anyone who comes into this building is gonna receive something that miracles will just happen and break out like we saw this morning you don't even need someone all the time to pray for you you just really need to find jesus in the right way and watch the miracle happen we had that up in saskatchewan in the pipekesis nation last weekend in the pipekesis first nation while i was ministering i said you know what i've i've actually the lord's told me not to lay hands and pray for you all i know many of you have come so i would lay my hands on you but let me tell you a hand that's better than my hand His name is Jesus Christ. And he can lay his hand on you as I'm preaching, as we're ministering, as we're worshiping. And you know what? A lady gets completely healed of seven years of some problem in her shoulder to where she's constantly in a sling and she's, she she has been addicted and is addicted, all these issues that have gone on in her life, and she pulls her sling off in the middle of the preach and starts screaming, got completely delivered from drugs instantaneously. It's... follower lifestyle the expectation of something good releases the good hope the word hope. I have hope it means joyful expectation if you have hope that means you have a joyful expectation it means your expectation is joyful I have hope I have hope that he's going to save me no 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 I, I have hope man like, I know I have hope that he has saved me It's like a joyful expectation. Yeah, but you just don't understand. I don't need to understand. I know who understands. (laughs) And his joy is your and my strength. Father, I ask today, Lord God, I ask you, Father God, who art in heaven, whose name is Hallowed? <laughs> whatever, whatever heaviness, whatever weariness, whatever weights, whatever negativity, whatever muscle memory of going backwards instead of forwards, is I pray for the miracle that it transforms and changes right now in Jesus' name that we're not here to carry the burdens of this world. We're not here to carry the burdens of everyone around us. I'm not a wretched sinner. I'm saved, a son of the Father. There's no wretchedness in this house. You realize that in the light there is no darkness. Just gathering together in the light, darkness has already left the place. Anyone who brought darkness in, it's out in Jesus' name. And if you can't let it go, then that's going to say maybe you need to run out. Just let it go in Jesus' name. Your addiction, let it go in Jesus' name. No, I can't quit. No, that's the wrong attitude. The victory isn't I can't. The victory is I have. It's not even future tense. It's that you already have it. It's present tense. So, Father, I pray for everyone here, everyone watching on TV. Lord God, I pray <laughs> right now that we are set free in Jesus' name. Any pain in the body, any sorrows, any any, any cancers, any diseases, be, be free right now in Jesus' name. Cancer, get out of here. You're not, you're not deserving of these bodies in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord God, whatever the need is in our lives, maybe it's a greater finances, then I pray, Lord God, wisdom and finances, and jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses in Jesus' name. We pray it, we believe it, Father. I ask you, Lord God, for everyone serving in children's ministry, serving as greeters, serving in this ministry, I pray, Lord God, favor and abundant blessing upon them, not because of their serving, but out of their abundant blessing, they choose to serve. I thank you, Father, because you're a good, good God. You're a good, good God. Show us your glory. Huh. What does that look like? Well, it'll look different. Show us your glory. Maybe it's going to give us peace to pass us our understanding. Show us your glory, God. We were hungry to see more of your glory. as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. I pray, Lord God, that our minds will be renewed day by day, that every day we wake up, we leave the problems of tomorrow behind, of yesterday, I should say, behind, and we look forward to the day of today.